Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Barney So I missed the practice There was no TiVo What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat Then stream it on Hulu Out of practice If you guessed we'd make it through six episodes We made it through six seasons It's season seven of The Practice, baby also known as Keith and Mike's very unpaid full-time internship. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast that talks about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. Can you believe, if you're watching this on YouTube, everything's new, everything's fresh. We redo all of our graphics every single season. Uh, so here we are in season seven. I can't believe we've made it this far. How's it going, Mike? Things are going well, Keith. Uh, we had some flooding. There's been some weather. But mm-hmm. now... It is a beautiful Saturday. It's been a beautiful week subsequent to all of that. And I have to say, well, first of all, I'm going to my first movie in a movie theater in over a year and a half. So I'm excited about that. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I've started my sort of yearly, uh, what what would I call it? Hmm, what would I call it? Uh, My pilgrimage, if you will. To uh-huh. watching all of the 9-11 content as it's, uh, I actually think I psychoanalyzed myself as to why I'm so drawn to still watching the coverage. We can deal with that another time. Mm. But in the middle of all of that, every night for the past two weeks, almost every night, me Jen has had to talk me down from firing up Hulu <laughs> and watching the season one premiere and season breaking seven. the one rule, season seven. The one rule of our podcast, because Keith, I have to know, I am in the courtroom right now, and I am protesting free Lindsay, because I, I, I think it's an outrage. It's an outrage that it's now been two weeks while you and I have been going about our business, and she has mm-hmm. been in prison. Just think, if it had been the whole summer, because in real life, you, we went from that. May all the way to September without knowing what's going to happen to Lindsay. I mean... It's a it's a big old deal, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, flooding. So between last episode and this episode, we dealt with uh, we dealt with the hurricane, which uh, the last thing I said last episode was thinking of you, Louisiana, and I uh, didn't realize I'd also be thinking of us because yeah. uh, we got clobbered on the back end of the hurricane, which was sort of hard to imagine that a hurricane that hit Louisiana would then hit New York. Uh, but uh, it sure as heck did. Um, we here in uh, Rahway actually got like the most of the most rain of anyone. We've got almost 12 inches of rain in that day. 
It was unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, and you got and you and Philly did too. Although happily, you were renting, so you weren't didn't have to spend the night vacuuming out your basement uh, as water seeped in through the groundwater. No, though CEO Jen did spend her uh, past few days at her restaurant, which unfortunately yeah. was pretty much totaled. So uh, she was helping them dig out, and our best wishes to all the businesses and and homeowners and people who have been affected in the floods in the remnants of Ida. I'd like to say that this was a once in a lifetime event, but it doesn't it doesn't feel that way. So no. Well, so sorry to Jen, like because that's that that affects her. She's affected more than any of us, you know, yeah, financially. Uh, financially, because it's her job, and uh, that's uh, that's really uh, that's really rough. So anyway, uh, for the people affected by the hurricane from New Orleans to Connecticut, somehow. All the way across. Uh, best wishes to everybody. So, uh, shall we continue forward with our with our little show here? Yeah, can't wait. Let's get this. the The more we talk, the closer we inch towards watching the show. So I'm okay. excited about it. All right. Well, then let us let us uh, stop talking ourselves and hear from some of our folks who had thoughts about both the season finale of season six, but also last week's oopsie spectacular. In a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to start with our good friend and moderator Phoenix talking about the end of season six. We're going to go in order. So, uh, you know, this is uh, Lindsay's just been convicted of uh, the murder. So here's what Phoenix has to say. The prosecution made a mistake by only charging first-degree murder. Even getting a jury to convict on a second-degree murder would strain credulity. But mm-hmm. given that O'Malley showed up at her door in violation of a restraining order, it completely conflicts with the premeditated nature that a first-degree murder fits into. It was obvious that David E. Kelly had a specific climactic outcome that he wanted and scripted the storyline backwards to force what had to happen. To paraphrase Walsh, that's some piss-ass crap writing. I've become more critical of writers who write backwards after having the work of Vince Gilligan to compare it to. He described his writing process of intentionally painting himself into a corner and then being forced to figure a way out of it in the next episode or season. One might make that point that Gilligan's success happened in a different era of television, but Breaking Bad premiered only five years after this episode. Learning that the verdict was filmed both ways actually makes it worse, because Kelly wasn't writing backwards from one ending, he was writing backwards from two. Like, Mm. what did he do? Flip a coin? It's bad enough that it was hard to believe, but now it's just arbitrary. The season began with an over-the-top sensationalism and a series of unjust verdicts. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised it ended that way. If I seem unusually salty, it's because the show had some really good episodes in between. Now it's left me dreading what kind of shark-jumping ratings grab they're going to open with next season. Uh, yeah. No, I I think that's I think that's all fair. Um, you know, it's a... Uh, Writing backwards sometimes happens. It's sometimes necessary, uh, and it's not—it's not always a bad thing. It's not. It really depends on what style of writer you are. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I guess if he were writing this backwards, right, I feel like there was there would be a better way to do it. I, I have less of an objection with him writing backwards than how he wrote it backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I certainly am... Yes, I, am I nervous about some shark jumping ridiculousness? Of course. But I also like that in by choosing this outcome, he did the Vince Gilligan. He wrote himself into a corner and now has to figure how to get out of it. Because Lord knows he probably didn't have much of season seven planned when they, when they did this. So, uh, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, it's, in- it's interesting because, you know, first you have to you have to zoom out a little bit, right? This isn't, we're not talking about uh, some of the great art of the 21st century, of the of the 20th century. It's not, it's not, um, it, you know, it, it's not classic cinema we're dealing with, right? So you don't, you can't over, over analyze it. Yes, it's, we're doing a whole podcast series on it, so we are over analyzing. That's what we do for yes. a, but countless I mean, hours. Like we said before, it's not like today where they go in and they write backwards a whole season, right? It's clear that at the 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 inception of season six, they didn't plan to put uh, Lindsay in prison. Right, is my guess. Now, what's what's in, what we you and I have texted back and forth a little bit is what's funny to me is that this is the most amped I've been right. to get back into the show. So clearly, the the outcome was successful. It got the viewer, the naked viewer really psyched about to see what's coming next. Now, I'll admit, it's it for me it really is less about how are how's what's going to happen to Lindsay as much as I like I play that up and it's more about it's more a the the Houdini effect. I saw the magician shackle himself, tie himself in all these knots, put himself right. into a trunk and send the barrel over the falls. And I'm now waiting to see, well how does he come up at the bottom, right? So how are we going to get out of this mess? Right. So it's 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 more that but hey, whatever gets whatever gets the pupils on the screens, right? That's right. And you're and you were a mark for the storyline. Absolutely. Like you are you are dying to find out what happens. And mm-hmm. and and I am too. You know, the other thing we were talking uh, off the air about, and and I I, I wasn't going to tell folks, but I feel like it's only fair. So starting with season seven, and we're going to get it into the basement. I'm going to be in my first year in New York. I didn't see all of these episodes. Uh, because I was working and this that, the other thing and 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 setting a VCR was very difficult <laughs> at the time. There was you know I didn't have, certainly didn't have a DVR, so we're gonna come on stuff that I don't know what's gonna happen, uh, which is pretty exciting. I think by the time season eight rolled around, I I saw more of them because I was a little bit more settled. But this season, it's a mystery to us all. I'm kind of excited to review it live. But uh, you will have. So how are you going to do the prep? Like, have you? Are you going to watch it with me live? I'm still going to prep. No, I'm going to. I'm going to prep it just like normal. But uh, I just won't remember what happened. All right. Well, let's hear from. uh, Oh, what's up, Tux? He looks thrilled. He he looks so thrilled. Uh, Charlie's wandering around here somewhere. He's. uh, He's he's been he's been bored he's been bored it's not good so perhaps he will also inter- introduce himself on the air, uh, but speaking of people who introduce themselves on the air, uh, guess who we heard from, uh, Mike's secret lover, and uh, just in case you forgot her voice, uh, let let's hear from her. Mike. <laughs> that was so funny, but I still love you. <laughs> 
Okay, well, the uh, who else? But my own mother, who is definitely watching this right now, hi, Mom, says, uh, I want to see your production of Keith and Mike's Forever Plaid ASAP. So we have one ticket sold to our hypothetical production of uh, Old Fat Forever Plaid. So uh, that's going to be exciting. OFFP. Uh, oh, you know me. Yeah. And of course, CEO Jen uh, weighed in, who was also excited. So maybe two tickets. So uh, we're, we're well on our way to selling as many tickets as a couple of the performances that I did of Forever Plaid oh, down yeah, in me Florida. Too. Me too. Oh, man, if you do a production of Forever Plaid... Uh, Where in Florida cast- did you do it? On Sanibel Island, uh, near Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only four people in the cast. So when the cast outnumbers the audience, it's a little awkward, especially since you pull somebody up from the audience to be on the stage. So at some point, uh, we... <laughs> There's like three people there like, we're going to grab a random person from the audience. Keith, I'll tell you, you know... When I when I did it in Rochester, DCT, which actually we'll talk about coming up, uh, you know the general policy actually is if 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 the audience outnumbers the cat or if the cast outnumbers the audience, generally you try to just move the, move the tickets and reschedule the show when you do yeah. a small little cabaret show. However, we had developed eventually such a antagonistic relationship with the proprietor of the theater we were at by the end. It had stopped selling by the end, uh, and he didn't want to close it because he had us basically working for uh, indentured servitude. So yeah. What, what did he care? So he started just being pissed at us, and so he would not reschedule the performances. So we would do the show for like three to five people, and it was, uh, it was something. So yeah, anyway. it's a, uh, it's re- it's it's really something. Other and and we'll we'll get to it at some point. But there was that time on tour. With Titanic, I think it was like North Carolina, and there was a snowstorm that went through, mm. and we were in this giant theater. It's it probably twenty five hundred seats, three thousand seats, and there was maybe twenty people in the audience, and it was uh, it was just it, it wasn't our fault. That that one actually wasn't on us. It was the snowstorm because they don't know what to do with an inch of snow. They were terrified, and we almost went off the road in the bus. Oh, that so, guy uh, fell asleep a lot. Anyway, yeah, that was a uh, right. different podcast. Anyway, we're we're gonna get to it next season. Next season, season eight, we will actually be talking about these stories. It's very exciting. Uh, So if you would like to communicate with us and join our heroes of, uh, you know, uh, Moderator Phoenix and Mother Mom, uh, Mike, why don't you tell them how they can contact us? Well, Keith, they can contact us by Mm -hmm. writing us at Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com or at out of practice podcast on the Instagram or the Facebook, or you know what else? You could just leave us a what's up on the YouTube's uh, moderator. Phoenix cage would love to talk to you because I imagine by now he's a little bit sick of talking to himself. And if you're in the future watching or listening, thank God, uh, you proved us completely wrong. We had a couple of viewers. It turns out. (laughs) And who knows? Maybe Lucy will pick up the phone. Nah, well, hey, who knows? She might pick up the phone for us, Keith. Spoiler alert, we got things in the works. Maybe. Uh, we keep saying that, but we actually have to work it if we're going to. Well, we just have to follow up, which is... Yes, yeah, we do, <laughs> which is not, which is clearly not our strong suit. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, are, are, are we ready to start the show proper? 
and start talking about season seven, specifically the time period in which this aired in a segment we call This Day in the Basement. Wow. Okay. So we are talking about September 29th, 2002. We talked in the Oopsie special about what we did in our summers. Mike, what were you doing it September of 02? Well, first things first, I was, uh, actually, it probably wasn't a lot of, like, TV media about 9-11 just yet, uh, because... Well, it's um, the one-year anniversary. The one-year yeah. anniversary. Uh, quick aside, because we've talked about, we kind of went through it online. I, You know, when my dad passed away in May of 2001... My sort of emotional response to that was that of internalizing, uh, a dulling of emotion, being sort of apathetic towards it. These were not choices. This is just sort of what my my response was. I, I didn't quite deal with the grief. I just kind of moved to New York, right? Yeah. Uh, interestingly, though, 9-11 was such a shared grief. Mm-hmm. I really indulged in that emotional release i mean it was it's overwhelming it's still overwhelming but it but it was very visceral for me and i think that not only was that my response to the just sort of overwhelming tragedy of it but also a personal ability to release things that had been penting up which it took me 20 some years now to kind of realize that that's why because today as i was texting keith you know you mentioned that and Jen mentioned the same thing. It's very tough to continually watch this stuff because it's, uh, it's a lot. It's emotionally a lot. And why yep. would you come, you know? Yeah. Uh, and for me, I think that's what it is. I think it's this sort of pilgrimage to just back to feeling the grief to to acknowledge it. Maybe anyway. Yeah. And, that's it, and it's connected to your personal grief, right? So, it, and it will probably be inextric- inextricably so, in yeah. one way or the other. Uh, but we were in the process of making the transfer to uh, of from Mount Gretna Playhouse to the downstairs cabaret theater in Rochester, New York. It yes, it hadn't started yet. I'm I'm trying to find the dates as to when we actually started the run out there, but it was quite a long time. We moved into on on Houston Street, I mm-hmm. believe Hal One they called it, and it was a shithole. Uh, but it was a my first big run, and 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 I do have video of it uh, in the in the continuing trauma that is me trying to get these videos. You don't uh, have an RCA cable yet. No, I got the RCA cable, Keith. Ready? Get ready for this. This is Ugh. so beautiful. I got the RCA cable. Now the VCR that I have borrowed from my sister is a Sanyo. So now mm-hmm. I've got the HDMI to RCA. I've got the RCA cable. I've got the tape. I've got the VCR. I've got it plugged into my laptop. I've got everything you could possibly need. Mm-hmm. I don't have the remote control for the VCR. God knows where that <laughs> might be. <laughs> but who needs it, right? Well, right. Keith, do you know what this Sanyo is lacking? I've got it over here. but I'll. I'll... It's r- lacking a rewind button. You can only rewind the tape via the remote control. What? Which I don't have. Yeah, it's the worst design of any piece of technology I've ever seen. You, like there's you, only three buttons you need. Play, right. it fast has forward, play, rewind. it has record, it has stop. 
There is no fast forward. There is no rewind. And I'm talking, there are no physical, other physical buttons on this thing. It's not like I missed it. So you need to it, buy a universal remote. Yeah, I got to There's a lot. There's a lot happening. And, and the payoff is not going to be worth it because <laughs> what I have on VHS isn't great. But uh, nonetheless, the video I have isn't is like our closing weekend. And it's from October of 2003. So it's wow. real close to when I met you. So it actually might be next season. But uh, I've got some picks and stuff. But just as a teaser, Keith, I do have something from a video <laughs> yes. I digitized before. And there she is. Uh, that was my one and only time I played Frankie was this production. Subsequent to this, all the plaids I've done, thousands of them, is, uh, is Sparky. But there will be some sort of... Uh, audio video component at some point i promise you we'll figure it out oh look at you look at young baby mike he has a baby there he's 22 years old yeah 22 amazing all right now, what about you buddy did you use real mics oh yes because we, we had with we had with fake wires. mics ah oh, boo well i i don't think we were mic'd at all the theater was so small we were just in the wild. That's possible. But, yeah. Yeah. The mic the mic choreography is a pretty seminal part of the show. Well, we we used fake mics. We, you know, we did the plunger, we did the whole stand, that kind of stuff. We just didn't use use mics. Anyway, blah 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 blah. So, uh so I have this this era was very important in my life because this was my arrival in New York City. And I went back into the old emails, and uh, so I officially moved on September 15th, 2002, four days after the first anniversary of 9-11, uh, which, let me tell you, the vibe in the city was yeah, something. somber. It was very, very somber. Uh, but let me tell you, so that you, you see the picture there, this is where... Uh, I moved into my apartment with my buddies Mike and Jen, both of whom were voice majors at Eastman with me, and we were the theater kids. We're going to move to New York City and build a life in musical theater, and we found this apartment in uh, Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, and uh, that's what it looks like today, and let me tell you, I uh, wandered around on Google Maps. Wait, this isn't the apartment off Eastern Parkway. Yes, it is. Wait, you had that apartment the whole time? I did. Oh, I didn't know that that was the... So you only ever had that one apartment? Until I moved to Queens, that's right. Right, wow. This is, you lived in this building. I lived in this building, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, I took, I took a Google Map wander around the area. It looks very different than when we were there. Yeah, I'm sure it does. That it was, was a little uh, rough around the edges from the subway, when we were there. The walk from the subway home was always a, a bit of a nail biter. It's a little rough, a little rough. Uh, but all right, so I need to tell the story of my move. Yeah. Because uh, all right, so I took a U-Haul down from Vermont with my stuff in it, and I we picked up uh, Jen's stuff in Albany. And then uh, I and Jen's older brother drove down because Jen uh, had something to do. She couldn't show up at the apartment for another week or two. So the only person who's going to be at the apartment at the beginning was me. So uh, I drove down with her older brother in the U-Haul, driving into New York City for the first time ever 
driving and 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 you know again like I was at a point there where I have I was I would drive a mile out of my way to avoid parallel parking and I was terrified to go on a two lane highway because like passing it was just it was so t- too much it was terrifying I'm from Vermont I'll I'll drive in a foot of snow but like uh, like two cars in a row is just too much for me so what we decided to do was we drove down in the middle of the night because we were so afraid of driving into the city with all the other cars that we left Albany at like 1 a.m. and drove down to drove into the city and and so we had a plan though so we, we needed the keys, obviously. And so we made a deal with the super. We're going to meet you at 6 a.m. At 6 a.m. to give us the keys. And then we will, and then I'll, I'll move in and we'll, we'll do our thing. So we white knuckle our way into the city, <laughs> into, into Brooklyn. And we pull up in front of the place at 6 a.m. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we had to call. Uh, from a payphone because didn't have cell phones at that point. Call the call the super, and uh, no answer. And six a.m. goes, and seven a.m. goes, and eight a.m. goes. What are you guys doing this during this time period? Sitting hours. in the truck because there's literally nothing else to do. And uh, so uh, Jen's brother's like, I gotta go. So he leaves, gets on the train, and goes back up to Albany, leaving me. Alone with a U-Haul truck in a rough neighborhood in Brooklyn, uh, no cell phone, and uh, no money, no nothing. So I keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. I don't get through to the super until noon. So at this point, I've been sitting in the U-Haul truck from for six hours, waiting to move in. He finally, he finally shows up with the keys, and. And he's like, yeah, so uh, you can't move in yet. We're, we, we didn't finish the floors yet. We're redoing the floors. You can't move in. And I'm like, I, 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 I'm living in a truck at this particular moment. We, we haven't can't finished do that. the floors? Yeah, they, they, were, they were like redoing the, the floors. They, they, were, they were just like, uh, you and know, And your lease started them. this day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, and, you know, and of course, like, I've been in New York for five minutes. I don't have my New York like fuck off, right? <laughs> you know. Right, right, right. But he's like, "All right, I will let you go in with a few things and stay there, but you can't unload the truck." And so I go. I finally am able to go in to the uh, into the apartment and sit on the floor and watch. <laughs> and I, I take I take me and I take the television because the Giants were playing the Rams. And I'm like, I've got to watch that. It's the most important thing. But it meant I, I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't leave the truck on the street overnight in that, you know, like right, yeah. for sure. Not. And and so like, where the hell do I park this safely? So I have to figure out a way to find indoor parking for this U-Haul. And again, I'm 22. I have never been in the city before. I am scared shitless let alone to drive this thing. Right. So I so I drive this thing up to the the this weird ass indoor parking spot, you know, a, a little bit why I I can't figure out how to get it into the building, so I have to like sit out there and the guy comes out and like and parks it for me. And I'm like, "Oh my god." Meanwhile, it costs like $200 to park it overnight. I have maybe $300 to my name at this point. And all of your and- other money is in the back of the truck. I, well, I don't. I, I didn't have any other money. 
I had no other money. What are you talking about? Well, and stuff. I mean, stuff. I had right? stuff like, like all of all of my earthly possessions. So I spend the night. I sleep on the hardwood floor because there's nothing else to sleep on. And I get up the next morning, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get here. And I'm gonna unload this stuff. This is what we're gonna do. So I so I walk like the mile and a half to get to the the parking garage. Get there, and I locked my keys in the truck. Oh shit. The only key, too, because it's it's U-Haul. So I had to call a locksmith to come and get me into the truck inside the uh, inside the parking garage area. Cost me another hundred and eighty-seven dollars. So now I am like flat broke, no money for food, other than like I had like forty bucks. So I I somehow get the truck in front of the house and I start unloading it and it's Brooklyn and a couple of random dudes come out and like, Hey, can I help you? You know, give me 20 bucks and I'll help you. And I'm like, okay. So I gave these two random dudes 20 bucks each to get all my stuff up there. I get the truck returned and, uh, it just about killed me. And I had to like call my parents from a bodega payphone with their phone cards to charge them and that was and and that was my first night my first day in new york city and i ended up being there for alone for a week just like ah, just completely fucking overwhelmed and terrified and uh that was that was crazy and it just you know, it, it was just one of those happenstances where it was just me alone. Normally, you go with your roommates, but everybody had something to do. So I'm like, I'm just here by myself, terrified and overwhelmed here in Brooklyn. And uh, it turned out fine. Uh, that apartment was worked really well for us. We got a hell of a deal on it. We were paying each paid 500 bucks. It was a three bedroom. And that apartment served a lot of people well, as I recall. It, it Yes, it ended up being a flop house near the end. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, more stories to tell on that. Uh, yeah, but- well, when, when we, uh, get to the future, when I move in there, that was one of my, now I've, you know, I'm the opposite spectrum. I probably had eight to 12 apartments in New York. So I moved a lot. And so you, you become very skilled at it. Uh, and I learned how to never have more stuff that I could move in six hours. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the worst of all the moves is actually me moving into that apartment. So we'll tell the full tale, uh, but I'm going to give you a sneak peek. So I moved in. uh, I had, I'm trying to remember the exact scenario, but what had happened, what had happened was I had to move out of my uh, girlfriend at the time's apartment. I had no stuff. And so how I ended up getting my stuff, I, I was Go to. I went to my brother's house for like a few nights, and then all of my stuff got moved. And my stuff wasn't a lot. It was got moved into a storage center. My uh, old roommate, not my girlfriend, my other our other roommate moved the stuff for me. Uh, it wasn't a lot, as I remember. It was like a desk chair, some suitcases, a lamp, a TV, I think, and into a stolen a, projector, a, a storage place on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, <laughs> and. Yep. Uh, there's a scenario me and Keith uh, Keith is has a room for me and I'm going to move in there uh, but uh, I drove back long story short I end up illegally spending the night in the storage locker on Atlantic Avenue 
because I couldn't move in till the next day and I was in a day early and I couldn't afford a hotel. So the day before I move in with Keith and move all my stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I slept in the storage locker, which is the one and only time I did that in my life. Turns out you can actually go on YouTube and find people who like do this a lot and like I'm make sure. whole videos about like pimping out a storage locker. So, uh, but the storage locker in Brooklyn in Atlantic Avenue with no light, uh, yeah, not awesome, not ideal, not yeah. ideal. Yeah, no, uh, you know, Atlantic, all of these areas today, like we couldn't afford like one bedroom in that apartment anymore today. But back then, <clears throat> a little rough around the edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I am in New York City. Mike has stolen my place in Rochester. Let's see what the world's up to in a little segment we call... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, folks. Moment like this. We are talking about September 29th, 2002, and Mike is very helpfully giving us a cover of the top song off the American Idol finale, A Moment Like This, the Kelly Clarkson tune. Let's let's all tune in and give give, give him his due. Some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this. Don't forget the key change. A moment like okay. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the American Idol season one finale was September fourth, two thousand and two. So not surprising. A couple weeks later, they released the single, and uh, we have a moment like this. Uh, while while Mike, uh, you know, hums the bridge, uh, we are going to talk about the local paper, the Burlington Free Press, talked about. Iraq rejecting UN search of palaces because we were firmly in the run-up to the war with Iraq, which turned out great for everybody. No regrets. Which at that point, I remember getting in the biggest fight I was ever with with a friend of mine about that. I will not speak any more details than that. So you don't have to cut it. I self-edited right there. The top movie was Sweet Home Alabama, the Reese Witherspoon movie. So, uh, yeah, so that's what was going on in the world. But Keith, now... Can I, can I, can I, can I quickly yeah. tell you um, a little, little known fact about me? We don't quickly do anything, but yes. I am a sucker, a stone-cold sucker for romantic comedies. <clears throat> Which is I'm a odd, because queen. you have a black, black heart. And Sweet Home Alabama is one of those that, like, one of my top ten films, I think, just because I love rom-com so much, I would say is Notting Hill. Notting Hill, like, sits on my my mm-hmm. totem of be- favorite films. Not best. Favorite. Uh, and uh, Sweet, Home, Sweet Home Alabama's up there. I Something about that story, as just wrote as it is, really speaks to this cold, cold dead heart. Uh, well, this cold, cold dead heart has never seen it, but that's the one with McConaughey, right? No, 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 uh, no, no. It's not McConaughey. It's a guy who looks like he should. He, he, that whoever this guy is, and I don't know his name, uh, mm-hmm. is pissed that McConaughey got his career because he should be McConaughey, but it's not him. Uh, but it is Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rob Delaney. Yes. No, that's a hundred percent wrong. 
I just said yes because I don't know the, <laughs> the man's name and assumed it was, yeah, if I find it. Now let's be the better, better podcast. Oh, it's Patrick Dempsey. Nope, he's the he's the person she's supposed to marry, but her her guy from oh, home is Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas. Okay, all right. The wow, that was a digression we can never recover from. You want to know what else we can't? But we got that McConaughey in for the SEO. That's right. So <laughs> here's something else we can't recover from. Everybody's favorite segment. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time for sports. The New York Football Giants dropped their week four matchup 21-7 to the Cardinals. They evened their record to 2-2 two two for the Jim Fossil coach team. Kerry Collins threw for 199 yards and two picks against Jake Plummer. It was barely more interesting than the 9-6 victory over the Seahawks in the previous game. Meanwhile, the Eagles blew out the expansion Texans 35-17 to bring the record to 3-1. Wow, it, it lasted. Yeah, yeah, there it is. The expansion Texans. Oof. Can't believe like they that was their first season. But uh, you know, it sounds like it's it, it's so long ago, but but also doesn't sound like it's long enough ago for expansion teams, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, folks, it's time. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode! Yes! Well, folks, we are talking about the season premiere of The Practice Season 7, Episode 1, entitled Privilege. And uh, if those of you, like Mike, have been jonesing for a continuation of this story, well, I've got good news for you. It was written by the same writer, David E. Kelly. It is directed by the same director, Dennis Smith. Here we go into season seven. And uh, I think it's time. We haven't we have not figured out our theme yet. But we it, do it has to be organic. It'll it'll find itself. Yes, yes, it, it does. So uh, it is now time to ask life's eternal question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Mm. And, and, and we still don't know, Jimmy. We still don't know. <clears throat> Other things we don't know, Keith? Mm. What the f is up with the grape jelly? And what the f is up with Clary's? Hmm. Yeah, do I don't think, think we're. I don't think we're ever going to get any clarity on that. Do you think? And since we don't know, I'm gonna. I'm going to say that this is canon now. Here's what I think happened because okay. I, it's the best story. I think that <clears throat> the guy in the take just fucked up his lines, and I think that Kelly Williams is such a stellar actress that in real time she just she just made the choice to correct him in character. And for whatever reason, there was something about the take that they just liked, or maybe, God forbid, something happened to the coverage, and they were just like, let's use it. I love that story. I find it almost impossible to be true, but I love that story. So that is the Out of Practice podcast canon. And uh, all right, so I'm going to explain the grape jelly. Okay, great. The, the, I love it. The same way. Okay, so uh, what we don't 
what what we forgot was that uh, the Fonz, our good friend, uh, uh, Henry oh Winkler, Hen- yeah, Henry Winkler, uh, secretly is a giant jellyhead. He is obsessed with grape. The actor, not the character. The mm-hmm. actor is obsessed with grape jelly, and in his writer. There must be eight large containers of grape jelly everywhere. And uh, a similar thing happens. Uh, He is so committed to the grape jelly, he refuses to have it more than four feet away from him at any time. So they had to hide it all throughout the set. And it was just like when you tape your lines to something, they had to put grape jelly everywhere. So if he needed a handful, he could just go for it. And uh, so by accident, when they were filming it, they opened up a cabinet and like, Oh shit! There's a whole ton of grape jelly here. Uh, it's Henry's. Uh, what are we gonna do? You know what? Let's just write it in. And All right, then, everyone. I want you to write in and let us know whose whose thoughts are more plausible. Uh, <laughs> my very rational possible explanation, or Keith's batshit absurd. Henry Winkler's really into jelly. Although Keith, I will say that I'm so glad you 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 have. Uh, What's the word a spiritualist would say when they bring in? Like, what would Odame Brown say from Ghost when you bring a spirit in? You, uh, I summoned that you summoned the the spirit of Henry Winkler because mm-hmm. let's not forget Henry Winkler in his uh, Happy Days universe was the original Shark Jumper. That's true, and I was feeling like as Phoenix said, season seven could be the season of the jumping the shark. Yes. So, uh, as we begin our journey of shark jumping, here's what I think uh, is here's my implausible pitch. Uh, maybe my here's my shark jumpy pitch. Oh wait, In the implausible pitch. Season seven is the uh, the shark jump pitch. So they somehow they somehow uh, decide that. Uh, we have to go full Schmitzovitz, Schmitzovitz, Schmitzovitz. Uh, he won so many oopsies, I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it. I'm just gonna leave it where it is. The DA, they gotta make him. They, they have to make him an ultra villain. So we're going to spend the first episode uh, doing some investigative work and find mm-hmm. out that uh, the DA, the ADA here, uh, did all kinds of nefarious things. He started threatening the lives of jurors. Ooh. He started uh, uh, threatening, he has some mob ties. It's gonna just be, it's not gonna, it, we could find like a procedural error to like give her an appeal, but no. They're gonna go full on, he's evil, and like totally has to, uh, it's a total mistrial because um, he just like, he was so, he interfered so egregiously with maybe he gave hannibal the address any anything could happen anything could happen all right that so that's that's my that's my pitch bitch okay this is the season of shark jump pitches it's shark month shark week shark season (laughs) shark season shark season okay folks there uh it is now time that's to hop over that's not the qr code that's also a that's a terrible placement for the QR code. That's not it. That's from last season. Oh god. Oh god. The the zero people who are going to uh, work on it. 
will be <laughs> will not be affected by that. All right, it is time to hop over to your podcasting service of choice to listen to us. Listen to the practice. We will see you back here for the oopsies. Season seven, episode one. Privilege. Privilege. God damn it, I'm excited. But Eugene's not so excited. Not excited, no. Eugene looks sad. They have not updated the string synth. They're bringing her in. Commonwealth versus Lindsay Dole, sentencing. We are at the sentencing hearing. Oh, so at least she hasn't spent the whole off-season in prison. No, this seems like it's taking place a week or two later. This son of a bitch. Mr. Walsh? I have nothing, Your Honor, other than to remind the court that the crime for which Miss Dole was convicted is murder. And I just killed the hooker. Taking of human life is not only an act against that life, but a crime against law, humanity, the Commonwealth, and we feel that the statutory sentence is appropriate. What a dick. Mr. Young? Your Honor, we would ask the court at this time to convert Ms. Doe's conviction from first-degree murder to voluntary manslaughter. The Commonwealth opposes. You have before you the psychological examinations done by both the Commonwealth and the defense which all conclude that Ms. Doe's state of mind was severely compromised at the time she committed this crime. The court can also take judicial notice of the facts. Ms. Dole did not act with any aforethought. There was no premeditation. Her own husband was in the line of fire. Now, while the jury was certainly free to Except reject she the defense of legal insanity, Ms. Dole's know. actions just as certainly fall within the scope of heat of she passion. Done earlier, though. A killer came That's to her true. door, threatened her, and she reacted. Your Honor can and should find that Ms. Dole committed her act while under the influence of extreme mental and emotional disturbance, for which there was a reasonable excuse. This fits the classic definition of manslaughter, not murder one, not murder two. I, I, I see Eugene's face and I see his mouth moving, but I can only hear Phoenix's words from filings and subpoenas. Yeah, well, it's it's weird that that never got brought up. It's weird that they didn't. Well, I mean, again, I think it's because our good buddy Smitty really wanted to take her down. Yeah. And and did not give the jury the option. You so know. this seems once again pretty cut and dry, like her like her acquittal, which didn't happen. So something tells me they can't if they undo it within the first two minutes of the episode, that's but by communing it to manslaughter, that's still an admission of that's she's still going to prison. Well, and it's still years in prison for sure. But voluntary manslaughter. Accordingly, this verdict is contrary to the evidence. It is contrary to the law. And I would respectfully request that you adjust the verdict to the appropriate degree. The jury heard testimony of how Ms. Dole threatened to kill the victim the very day of the shooting. Those were her words. The jury heard Ms. Dole's voice on the phone, evidencing a calm demeanor. No passion whatsoever, seconds before the shooting. Personally, I've never even seen a manslaughter with a gun. Manslaughter is usually a fist, a vehicle, a fight, sometimes a stabbing. But when a woman walks from her door 
retrieves her purse, retrieves a handgun from within that purse, shoots the man who is still standing by the door. That's not manslaughter. And I will remind the court of something you already know. You are not entitled to simply substitute your judgment for that of the juries. You can only override the first degree conviction if you find there was no reasonable basis for it. Here, you cannot make such a finding. Sorry to cut in again, As I know I this is high stakes, but I think it maybe a directorial oversight or, or production oversight or maybe just logistical uh, reasonings. If I'm not mistaken, and they've panned the courtroom twice here, I have not seen Helen. It seems unbelievable to me that Helen Gamble wouldn't be in at least in the galley that's just our, a colleague, a friend, That's, an ex a roommate. Well, ex roommate, yeah. No, I, uh, I agree. I, I feel like Helen. You know, although she could be working. Yeah, right. I mean, Helen's a DA. She might not have the choice to be there. Even though I feel like she, she would move heaven and earth. To I get respectfully there. request that you allow the jury's verdict to stand. But you know, and and what Smitty just said there was. That he can he can only overturn this if there is no reasonable basis in which to charge her with mm -hmm, with first mm -hmm. degree. And frankly, uh, while I don't agree with the verdict, I don't think that should be the verdict. I think there is a reasonable argument to be. I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to consider first degree based on all the evidence. So, like, I don't know if the judge c could overturn this if he wanted to, because it's not insane. It's do you have anything you'd like to say? Uh, maybe she shouldn't say anything. I would like to express my condolences to the family of Lawrence O'Malley. I would also like to assure the court th the lack of remorse I seemingly demonstrated in my phone call to the police that night was more a product of my shock than the person I think and, and hope I am. I took a human so life. I had the opportunity to retreat. I didn't do so. I accept responsibility for a homicide conviction. I committed a homicide. But given Who hasn't my shock and my fear and, yeah, and no. the underlying trauma I was experiencing from past assaults against me, I feel my judgment and state of mind were compromised and that the crime I'm guilty of is more consistent with voluntary manslaughter. Blows my mind that we're never gonna see Lindsay Dole try a case again. Thank you. The judge, by the way, is Frank Bernie back. Okay, kids, so uh, we've got the, uh, I mean, what's, what's, what's the judge do, you think? Well, I'll say that already I'm, I'm impressed with their, their handling here. They've offered us an out with high stakes, without sort of retconning the whole thing yet, pre-credit. And they've, they've posed an interesting question. They've posed a, a, another tactic for us to get out of this, while without sort of pulling the rug from, from with below us. So I, I, I feel like I like the setup so far. Should we have seen yeah. it last season? Yes, but come on. It's much better placed in a season, an episode one than a season finale. Well, I mean, honestly, like, if I were breaking the season, I'd do it this way. I'd mm -hmm. convict her and then do the appeal on the back on the next season. Did he say when he was huge fan? It's good that he took it under advisement. But bad to he wouldn't let us call witnesses. Fan. What is with the heat? 
You said it was being fixed. It is. It should. What the hell is wrong with it? Do I look like a plumber? A plumber fixes water, Rebecca. Tell me you didn't know that. You want to get off my back, Eleanor. What happens when your toilet clogs? You call an electrician? Oh, uh, David E. Kelly's <laughs> back. Unnecessary sniping that, that are completely What's out of character. Not a thing. Only you seem a little edgy. Eleanor, that is something that didn't happen when David E. Kelly wasn't le the lead I'm writer. Hot. Bobby, shouldn't you Fine. be more It'll on edge? It'll all be fixed today. We got a walk up. Anybody? Jimmy. I took the last one. No, I did. Well, how about you, Eleanor? I have Jamie Stringer. Mike is uncomfortable that we're just going along with our business as a, an episode week to week while we are letting Lindsay hang out to dry. There's not much else they can do. 10 o'clock, who, by the Ray way, Ruzzo. you called back. Not just me. Eugene liked her. Jimmy, just take the walk up. Bobby's a little too it's always cool me. with everything right now. It's cool as a cucumber. James Berluti, Melissa Halpern. Hi. Hello. This is my daughter, Joey. Nice to meet you. All nice right. Nice to meet you. How can I be a lady? And lady was a daughter. People, I'm sure we know, and we're going to be surprised to find out because they were so young. Yeah, sort of. So, Melissa Halpern, the older woman, is Mary Paige Keller from Chasing Life, Heart of Dixie, NYPD Blue, The Negotiator, and Baby Talk. Remember that show? Is that and the, who look who's talking? Let's make it a TV show. Yes, that's. I, I believe that's exactly what it was. Uh, and the the daughter, the younger person, is Michelle Horn, who you would know from Family Law, Strong Medicine, and on Deep Space Nine, she plays Soggy in Penumbra and Tears of the Prophet. As Unnecessary a, Star Trek reference. As a young kid, she was really good. This far, no far. Soggy? Her name, Soggy, S-A-G-H-I. Oh, not like soggy. Not like soggy. Fries. Okay, no. No. Is there some place you and I could speak privately? Oh, you know Jimmy wants to speak privately at any chance he's given. I told my daughter that this was just about insurance and so forth, but... What's it really about, baby? That isn't it. First, I need to know that what I tell you will remain confidential. Absolutely. You've got the grunt guarantee. I wanted you to meet my daughter to, um, well, I guess for some perspective. Sixteen years ago, I kidnapped her. I was into drugs, and I got this inane notion that Guys, it's season one. It's episode one of the new season. We need something fresh and exciting. Well, we got this plot from last season. We could, uh, <laughs> we could dust up. Uh, yeah, and you know what this calls for? Wait a second. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, yeah. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, yeah. Reduce, All right, reuse, cut it. Recycle. No, no, this is good. <laughs> less waste, throw less things away. Use things again and What again. is this? <laughs> Are we going to get a strike? Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Okay, well, uh, that sounded like it was from the 90s. 
I found it on the YouTubes, and I think we might be playing it a fair amount. I can't believe we didn't have it before. To take care of a child would be a kind of a lifeline to... <laughs> I just grabbed her out of a hospital when she was in New York. You're out of practice. And I've been you write such since. great jingles. Why did you blatantly just Does rip that one know? off? No. <laughs> and it's imperative that she never find I out. It would destroy her. Damn lazy. I also have two small children, a family. I mean, if this ever got out, many lives would be destroyed. So, why are you here? Um, I recently read a magazine article about two lives that have been destroyed, the birth mother and the woman they accused of stealing Joey. Another woman was convicted? No, they never pressed charges due to lack of evidence, but evidently the cloud of suspicion followed her. Now, we missed it there. At least they did acknowledge well, the that, that this had happened before. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm coming to you because you dealt with a similar situation. So, at, you know, it's bad, but at least they like tipped their cap to like what was happening. That she went on to get into some of the same drug problems that I was looking to escape. I don't want to turn myself in. It isn't an option. But two things in this article. The birth mother, she says the horror lives on every day of not knowing what happened, whether her daughter is dead or... She said that if she could just know that her daughter has a good life somewhere and is happy. And, and for the woman who was accused, she said if even one person could know she was innocent, even one, I would like you to go to the birth mother and tell her how happy and safe her daughter is. And then I would like you to go to the woman who was accused and tell her you know she's innocent. I, I have uh, two money orders. Each in the amount of $70,000. If I had more, this music I would is pay playing it like this woman is being heroic. Yeah. Can you do this for me, Mr. Berluti? Good soap. Obviously, out. your academic credentials are superb. Thank you. But I have to say, Folks, I'm curious with the Stop the presses. Possibly new cast member. We have to interview new lawyers because Lindsay's going to prison. This is fucked up. Folks, uh, Mike missed it because uh, she's already in the freaking credits. So forget the spoiler alert. Welcome new cast member Jessica Capshaw, who most of us would know from her. Get this. 225 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. She plays Arizona Robbins. You could also know her from Minority Report and Valentine, the movie. But, uh, folks, we are about to be introduced to a new cast member. So I need to know, behind a little better podcast time, behind <laughs> baseball, inside okay. baseball, whatever, right. however you want to do it, uh, did Kelly Williams, did she know she was getting written off the show? Like, did something happen last year? Was she pregnant? Did she get another job? Like, this feels a lot like Kelly was getting written off the show. I'm not going to tell you that. Ah. Yeah, nice try. Why here? Those offers are all civil. The only thing I've ever wanted to do is criminal, and this firm for criminal. Debbie Kelly likes to cast years. a good-looking really? lady. I was at the Lindsay Dole trial every day. I almost cut a final. 
Any tips? We could use some pointers on that one. Ooh. Are you serious? Well, sure. Good job interview question. Well, I'm sure I couldn't say anything that you haven't already thought about. Just for fun. Why don't you throw it out? <laughs> Feels like a test. Um, I thought it was a mistake to go with battered woman. It may be a viable theory, technically, but juries pretty much reject the abuse excuse. It seems desperate. I felt you cut your legs off at the top. What else were we supposed to argue? Straight self-defense. Wink, wink. It really would have amounted to jury nullification, but That's what we and said. here's where I feel like you She's really dropped the right. ball. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to. No, go ahead. What you did was characterize Lindsay as a crazy. You know, she snapped. She was outside of herself. She lost control. But the problem is, juries don't like to free nutsos. Instead of depicting her as aberrant, you should have portrayed her as every woman. You know, who wouldn't pull the trigger? The guy comes to her house. We sort of did that. Not enough. You didn't. You basically argued, we can't know what it's like to be her. She was in a different place. Mm. But I would have put the jury right in her shoes, right in that place. At least one of them would have pulled the trigger. The worst you get is a hung jury. You're hired. Hindsight's always twenty-twenty. I, I know. Oh, that's... Cameron, that small, the smallest smile. Humanly possible, but but perfectly planned as an actress. So good. Oh, someone's Jim. going to a door. Oh, Jimmy's got that. Yep. Uh, somebody ordered you a Starbucks. There's a card on it. It's uh, it's an edible arrangement. Uh, what's the card say? I stole uh, your daughter, but she's good. Yeah, sorry, I abducted your daughter. You're not gonna get her back, but I, no, I, I no. got you this. <laughs> no. I got you this venti coffee. It was very expensive. Hi. I'm looking for Sally Burns. I'm Sally. My name is James Berluti. I. Uh, oh, this is terrible. I represent the individual who kidnapped your daughter 16 years ago. I'm not at liberty to divulge this individual's name, but this person hired me to communicate to you that your daughter is safe and happy. The individual continues to parent your daughter. The individual feels great remorse for all the pain caused to you and sends to you this money order in the amount of $70,000. Oh, my the fucking God. Now, I feel bad for Jimmy. This is a terrible position. That woman was like, yo, that girl was how old? Was she 16? 17? Yeah, well, they stole her as an infant from the hospital. Here's 70 grand. That should be good. So we're cool, right? Well, she said that was all that she had. Oh, okay. Now, but, but, full disclosure, I could use 70 grand. So oh, yeah, I would, do, I would do despicable things for 70 take grand. Take my wife, please. Whoa, whoa. Who Jenna, are you watching this live? She's <laughs> very sorry. Yes, I don't know where the hell she's hurting you. She's gone. That's all I'm at liberty to say. Makes sense. But while we're at it, I'm at liberty to introduce. Lady who just traded her baby for some Starbucks! This uh, lady is played by Holly Fulger. As Sally Burns, you'd know her from Ellen, the John Larroquette show, no surprise, and anything but love. And Mike is texting his wife to try to figure out where the hell is she? she get kidnapped? I feel really bad. <laughs> That's true. So, 
you did say take your wife and you would sell her for $70,000. Jen, we know what number Mike would sell you for. This is like a Black Friday deal. You Mike doesn't know where his wife is. What didn't you like about her? I don't know. I just didn't. You see a transcript? Yeah, her grades were great. That's why we interviewed her. But the purpose of the interview is to see if we like her, and I didn't. Beck, uh, I want you to interview her. Why? Hiring is supposed to be unanimous. If I didn't like her... We're also supposed to have a group discussion. Rebecca is part of the group. She needs to interview her. I thought she was great. Yes, all the men think she's swell. Why are you so testy? Because David E. Kelly wrote this episode and he thinks all women hate each other. What, I can't just pop in to say hi? What's wrong? Jimmy? Police got a visit from a woman named Sally Burns last night. Uh, we're about to find out Jimmy didn't mention this to anybody. That's, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I wonder. You had to know she'd go to the police. So what? It's attorney, client. Not necessarily. A crime is ongoing. What crime? The kidnapping. The individual still has her. The crime is ongoing, Jimmy, which means you can reveal. Helen, I'm not going to tell. You know I'm not going to tell. What? I'm going to get a judge to force you to tell. No judges ever. I, I got to stop it here, folks. It brings up something we talked about before. I, I mm -hmm. wish I could remember the specifics. Maybe you can help me. Here's the thing. I think it was the other kidnapping case, as a matter of fact. You can't just, because you feel remorseful, use the, use, use the law and some money to like make you... This, the woman's whole goal here is to make herself feel less remorse. She ain't right. helping anybody. She ain't making these people feel better. And she ain't making... It's it's so self-serving to the point where Jimmy shouldn't have done it, and Jimmy actually should bring her to the police. If you really want to absolve yourself of the guilt, turn yourself in. Otherwise, you have to live with that. You want to kidnap somebody and raise them as your own? Well, then you have to live with the guilt. That's part of it. Well, and also, the, the, the altruistic thing that she's doing, but she's only doing it halfway, is the person who has been accused of abducting this girl who didn't whose life has been ruined by the accusation, even though she didn't do it, her she wants Jimmy to go and give her money and say, you didn't do it and I know you didn't. But she's not actually absolving this person in the public life. So her life is still ruined. She just knows one person knows she didn't do it. And, and so like it's a, she's really trying to do the right thing in the worst way. I also think that, and I think we're going to explore that in this episode, so I'm going to let it play, but I think people blanket think that attorney-client privilege or or priest-client, or privilege in general, which is what the episode is called, is some sort of sacrosanct, all-or-nothing all thing. And I don't think it is. There are gray areas, and I think Helen's just brought one up. You can't just, the crime, you can't just use it to your benefit here, and I think that's what we're going to explore. Well, like free speech, wrong. there are... Ground rules. We already know who she is. Bernice You Wright, can't tell, can't say fire in a theater. Old, works and if as you say a you're going to murder somebody, your therapist Cafe has to tell somebody. Her one way or another. If she comes forward Mike. and cooperates, I'll give her three years. You have 24 hours. 
I mean, maybe we could help out Lindsay? Eh. Lindsay's fine. She's just a Jimmy should have told that woman to you walk. You can't tell. You gave me your word. Listen. I didn't even want you to tell him. He's a lawyer here. The privilege extends to war. And now you're breaking the privilege. Nobody's revealing your secret. What are you telling me? We're telling you the DA is trying to force us to reveal your identity. If she is oh successful... Oh, God. Oh, my God. I... Melissa, you need to calm down here. I just here. wanted to help those people. I did not want to risk jail. I can leave the room and come back later. Or you can calm down and listen to me now. We are not going to give you up. You need to be aware. Melissa. Melissa, I need your full attention now. You asked Mr. Baluti to contact the woman accused of the kidnapping. Which I've been trying to do, but I haven't got her yet. It is our opinion that we should no longer try to contact her, and here's why. They still think she's it. If we contact her, we'd effectively be telling the police it's not her, could be anybody. For your protection, it's best that she remains a suspect. I know you wanted to help, but there's too much That's risk. That's ethically so shitty. Okay. I also wanted to open up a bogus file for you. On the chance the police are watching this building to see who goes in and out. That's smart. And the chances are good they are. I want a file explaining your presence here. We can create something under estate planning. I have small children. I cannot go to jail. Well, then you shouldn't Melissa, have admitted to a kidnapping. We are not going to let that happen. God damn, people want it both ways. Want to kidnap and... Hi. Cake too? Hey. Rebecca will be right with you. Great. You want to steal the cake? I can't believe I even got called back too. again. And after. still use a coupon. <laughs> what happened? Well, my mouth tends to disclose what I think sometimes and... I may have offended Miss Frutt. I don't worry about it. I offended them when I walked in the door. I didn't think I'd last a week. That was four years ago. Hi, Jamie? Yes. Rebecca Washington. Very nice to meet you. You too. We can uh, go in here. I was wondering if I heard just a hint Ms. of a Frutt, southern hello. accent. Hi. And Jessica Capshaw's from Missouri. Oh, Jimmy, this is Bernice White. Sometimes. She says that you've been calling her. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Let's introduce her. It's that lady who didn't kidnap that lady. Sorry, Miss White, I think you have the wrong office. <laughs> that yes, you gonna let me introduce yes. her, James Berluti. It's Christine Rose, who uh, you would know from What Women Want. She had a giant part on Heroes, the whole Heroes world. She was also in Providence. She did five episodes of David E. Kelly's Picket Fences. And on The Next Generation, she played Jeral in Birthrights Part 1 and 2 Star Trek. Birthrights, interesting title. Heroes, interesting title. A lot of kismet. Interestingly enough, Keith here, what I'm curious about is, how are you accused of a kidnapping 16 years ago? Like, you either have the kid or you don't have the kid, right? Well, I just, you know, thought she was a likely suspect and somehow that became public. Thanks for coming. What's this about? Did I inherit something? Actually, we thought you did. But it was another Bernice White. I'm very sorry. Very quick on your feet, what Jimmy. What'd she get? Sorry? This other Bernice White, what'd she inherit? Oh, only a few hundred dollars, actually. Nothing. Sure made it sound a lot more important than a few hundred dollars. Again, 
I apologize. No, if you'll excuse me, uh, our practice is basically a burning down this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's wrong? Nothing. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Ah, uh, my wife's in prison. Nothing. So here we are then. Two people with nothing wrong. Did I blow it? Blow what? Lindsay's trial. Eleanor. That Hink stuff with you never should have come in. You objected. I objected once, for the record. I should have shut it down. Look. Abuse defenses statistically are losers. We had to have something. Battered woman syndrome is desperate. Even a third-year law student knows that. This was a team defense. But I tried it. I was the one up there. Come on. A serial killer with a restraining order? How could I not win? We have all won with much, much less. Where is this coming from? That little slut Rebecca is interviewing. Whoa. She picked me to pieces. And she was right. So... We focused the jury on Lindsay being crazy when we should have argued how reasonable she was. I'll talk was. about it in the oopsies. Never mind. You didn't like that, did you? It paints all the shit Eleanor's been going through in a in a in a vindictive light, which is unnecessary. Well, it's not even that. It's it's uh, David E. Kelly's portrayal of women's relationship with women. That they're always sniping and bitching about nothing. Always like it's about sex. It's about whatever, and that's so beneath Eleanor, and so unlike. Yes. I will say that. I won't speak towards what women's relationship with each other is because much like David e. Kelly, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but what I find interesting about the exchange and look, she's having a rough go at it and she's pissed at that. She, she knows she shouldn't be mad at that lawyer, but she is anyway. So I'm not, I'm not too offended by her choice of words. She's, she's in a place, right? But we did have that whole episode last season where Eleanor forgave that guy and, and, and let him off the hook in the name of this sort of elevation of Eleanor's character that she has come to a place where she is more comfortable with who she is yeah. and all different stuff. And then you sort of, you do knock it back a few pegs here if she's going to be so petty because just because the girl's quote unquote pretty. But I, I would say that I, I like it. I like the beat if it's purely based on the fact that she knew what Eleanor did wrong in the court case. Oh, oh yeah, but, I have no problem with that whatsoever. You're right, the beat... Before the beat where she's like, of course, all the men like her. Yeah, was... her, her her prettiness being a factor is the issue. Right. If Eleanor is just embarrassed by being called out for how she fucked up the case, that makes perfect sense. But yeah. like Eleanor's but hold above on. that. I agree, but I don't think that it's outside of general human behavior that a person would find a cover for the truth. She's embarrassed. She fucked up in the trial, at least, and it got called out. And she doesn't want to just say that she's embarrassed. So her cover is, oh, but she's, she's pretty. And all literally the guys want to fuck just said, she, but she's literally just said that. Well, she's saying that to Bobby now. This is, I feel like yeah. this is her opening up to somebody where it was a cover before the pretty thing was a cover before. Although it's blurred, it's blurred, Keith. I'm just saying it's not. Yeah, I'm not enough. totally. Okay. Right. I'm not totally grossed out by it. David E. Kelly, my got your back. None of us. Saw it. <laughs> New show on Hulu sucks, though. How could we all 
I think Lindsay was desperate to believe she snapped. She was desperate to believe she was crazy, Eleanor. So we became desperate to help her believe. They should have had John Larroquette do it. Honey, where'd you go, Jim? You didn't pull the trigger, Eleanor. It's good talking to you. You didn't get kidnapped, Keith. She kidnapped me a coffee. Ooh. Remember, years ago, we used to come in here at the end of the day. And we'd, we'd just talk. What happened? I don't know. You have become a bit of an island, Bobby. You don't turn to others, even in your times of... I've tried to be there. For her. For all of you. That isn't exactly it. You're there when we need you, Bobby. But we all get a little desperate from time to time. For you to need us. This became about Bobby. <laughs> it's always about Bobby. I also don't understand why that. I don't understand the point she's tried to make. Yeah, I don't. I have to say, where I thought that scene was going, I don't know where it ended up. I, I, I I'm so confused that, that you know, it, Look, it gets a, down to like nobody knows what to do with the character of Bobby. Now. To take it back to like the episode, since we're about halfway through the episode here, I actually, and I might change my mind, but thus far, I actually like the pacing. Because we were hanging by our fingernails, they yeah. gave us an out at the very top, which I appreciate. But they didn't resolve it at the very top, which I would have hated. Additionally, they posed some interesting questions. Uh, they put our, our people in some interesting pickles. And... What I'm liking, what I'm seeing from Eleanor, I guess from Bobby too, but really from Eleanor, is emotional fallout from the case. Yeah. Not yeah. just like what happened to our buddy, but like, did we do this right? And that interview pointing out that not only did, did you not do it right, but it's pretty obvious what you should have done is, I think, in really interesting stakes. I wish yeah. that we were like plowing through and falling through with them, but, and I'm not sure what I'm getting from the Jimmy thing just yet. Privilege very tough thing we're asking for attorney client privilege he knows where she is she's alive miss gamble and this lawyer knows Sally, he knows you have to understand legal ethics and morality are two different things sometimes they fly in the absolute face of each other helen i'm sorry can i talk to you for a second i'm kind of in the middle of something please fuck this lady <laughs> And her stolen child. <laughs> I'm Bobby fucking McDonald. <laughs> Yo, and they made her go wait out in the hallway. It's not like yeah. they could retire to a second conference room. They're like, hey, bitch, go in the hallway. <laughs> like, go piss off. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on the merits of what you're trying to do here. Good. But I'm asking you to hold off. I'm just a man. Standing in front of a woman I used to bang, reminding her that my current wife is in prison, so I'm free to bang. <laughs> if it gets out, our firm is helping a kidnapper to. See, Keith, that was me bringing a rom com Helen, you thing know the in. Fallout. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe? might not necessarily affect Lindsay's disposition, Choose but we do me. not need Love Judge me. West getting angry at us about something else. I doubt this would have any bearing on Lindsay's fate. But with the possibility, it could. Please. When's he supposed to rule? 11 o'clock. I'll push my motion to this afternoon. Thank you. That, that's a fair request, though, like, the reputation of the firm, like, we already know who you represent. Bobby likes her, as do I and Rebecca and Jimmy. What exactly bothered you about her? I don't know. She seemed perky, suck-uppy, arrogant. Perky, suck-uppy, arrogant. Maybe it's that Harvard thing. Uh, look, given our current state of things, the Harvard grads aren't exactly flooding us with their resumes. This is a real prospect, Eleanor. I you didn't find her a little slutty? Again. Slutty? Okay. Yes. Everything she's got I said, that I. Giggly, flirty thing. So now she's a giggly, flirty I tried. I mean, you, I tried. <laughs> if they had just left it, I feel like I could have maybe convinced you, but they're not going to leave it, are they? No. <laughs> the arrogant slut. And you Look, knew the I'm whole time I was flapping my gums. <laughs> I didn't remember. She's a great person. She's obviously very smart. I just didn't get a great hit. That's all. Seeing as the unfortunately rest for you, Eleanor, her name's in the credits. Yeah, she's our. Did, did you not? Did you miss the credits? To hire. I vote we extend an offer. Me too. Because they're alphabetical. They came up before you. Okay. Wow. Lindsay's going to a vampire prom, not Lindsay, I mean Lucy. Yeah, that's that is quite the outfit. She's going to a vampire prom. Okay. To eleven. Vampires weren't in yet. Of course Soon. I didn't hear what she said, so. Okay. It's quarter to eleven. Oh. Lindsay's sentencing. Oh. I thought she was like, so we should order lunch, like, probably soon, right? She probably should, yeah, because it takes a while to get here. How you doing? I'll let you know. All rise. This court is in By session. Way, hired a replacement. The Honorable <laughs> Judge West presides. <laughs> That's right. My reaction has to be, be quiet. Be I don't want to spoil it. Oh, yes, for sure. Well, Helen's their fan. First, let me state for the record my disfavor for the legal gamesmanship. For the defense to argue diminished capacity, then to lose, only then to march into sentencing, claiming it was manslaughter, it strikes me as a disingenuous attempt to have two bites at the legal apple. That having been said, I am required to consider this second bite. <laughs> and as I view the evidence, this case warrants a finding of voluntary manslaughter more than murder one. Had I been sitting on the jury, I most definitely would have voted that way. I think he's saying you fucked up. But I wasn't a juror in this case. I am the judge. And as the prosecutor correctly points out... Guys, I hope you're watching the episode because... Kelly Williams just schooled us all again because it's clear which way this is headed. And just him saying, I am not the jerk. 
his little spiel there, they cut to Lindsay's face early, and you can see her recognize well before it's about to be announced that she's fucked. Right. And barely moving, not saying a word. Not saying a word. And it's not over the top hysterics. She goes into this stone face of realization, this like somber realization, and it is perfect. A judge should only overturn a verdict if he finds no reasonable basis for it. I can't make that leap. I therefore uphold the verdict. Ms. Dole, you have been convicted of murder in the first degree. I am bound by the statute to sentence you to the Framingham Correction Facility for the remainder of your natural Jesus life. Jesus Christ! We are adjourned. <laughs> so much for being quiet. That's absurd! <laughs> We have strong appeal. We have solid. Guys, man, ratings for Blue's Clues has really gone down. How about an episode where we euthanize Blue? <laughs> oh, no. Issues. That'll Blue, get them. We've got strong grounds. We go before the state Supreme Court next week. We are going to get you out. Well, that happened. They are all sitting in the office, uh, you know, not happy, as one would imagine. Yeah, Lucy. Just hangs up. What if they were like, yeah, we know we took it back. We're, she's ready to be picked up at the prison. Bobby comes in. She's holding up. She's going to be transferred tomorrow afternoon. I'm gonna go back and be with her till then. Eleanor and I were talking last night and and she thought it'd be a a good idea for me. For me to lean on all of you. A little more. Personally. I think I'll probably be doing that. You know, we give the character of Bobby a lot of shit, but I don't think we equally continue to praise what Dylan's able to mine from it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Jimmy, you're gonna go. It's our standing subway, uh, our sandwich date. I still need you to stick that hot dog in this tuna sandwich. Just ram it down your gullet. Sometimes the utter absurdity of what we're doing here, Keith, reaches me. We're, we're not classing it up. Season seven, we're not getting we better. We will survive this. 
No, and then I think about the fact that it's just, it's like, there's nobody listening. It's just me, me and you doing this into the void. <laughs> like it's like a beautiful, acting. it is a beautiful Saturday outside and there are so many things we could be doing and mm-hmm. here we are. You know, when I was, uh, by choice, in, when I was in drama camp in like 1995, when I was a kid, uh, me and my buddy, we used to record on a cassette tape. I did it too with a, my sister. A fake show mm-hmm. uh, that just existed on the cassette tape that no one has since, has has then or ever listened to. But we thought we were doing a show and it was like a big deal to us. I, I, that's just We're doing the 40-year-old version of that. Yep. In fact, I think back to this the bus on Titanic when I was like so wrapped up in that girl and you'd come and be like, Yo, and Degley, let's go throw the football around. I'm like, oh no, I think I'll hang out here. But I wish I had shouted back with like, Yeah, but like in twenty years, let's do a podcast where we talk to nobody about a TV show that nobody watches. Yeah, and nobody knows what a podcast is at that point. <laughs> You'll survive it. And Lindsay will Will she? I know. Bobby, I know you. You know who we're missing in this equation, Keith? Factuals the and baby. aside. The emotional undercurrents of a case play a part with juries, with judges, even Supreme Court justices. You know that better than anybody, right? Bobby, look at me. Give me this appeal. Yes. I'll bring your wife. Yes. Home. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Now give me the six episode arc of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like yes. commit to it. Oh, now that gets me jazzed for yes. this season. Sure does. That might be my favorite moment of the past the like, three of a seasons. Has never been Please follow Sean. through, David E. Kelly. It has, when the disclosure of the identity would incriminate a person criminally. Hold on a second, Mr. Berluti. Assuming it's your Gittleson. client enjoys privilege, so what? We've got a crime here. Person has been kidnapped. She could be in severe physical danger. She's not in danger. Says who? The kidnapper? I've seen her. She's healthy. Careful, counsel. You're about to make yourself a witness. Your Honor, as you correctly imply, this is an ongoing crime. Mr. Berluti has knowledge as to who has the victim. This is a past crime. It happened 16 years ago. It happens every day. The girl is still being held. She's not being held. She doesn't even know she's kidnapped. My client has been her parent. Oh, come on. If a kidnapper went to a lawyer for the purpose of eluding capture, there's no doubt we would consider that an ongoing case. That's not what's going on here. Are you sure? She says she wants to help the victim. Maybe she's clever. Maybe she is using you to check the status of the investigation. She's not doing that. You say so. We don't know. The point is, it shouldn't matter. Sally Byrne's daughter is still out there, in the hands of the person who took her. That's present tense, Your Honor. This is an ongoing case. Attorney-client privilege... Even if she's right, that would give me the choice to break privilege. It would not incur an obligation on my part to do so. If a person is in danger, I have no knowledge or belief that anybody. This is well argued on both sides. I don't have to break privilege, and I won't. And I submit to this court, in close cases, and this would be one, the doubt has to be resolved in favor of the client. If not, what are we left with? We can't have clients thinking privilege is vulnerable. When a person goes to a lawyer, he or she has to know this confidentiality will be upheld. 
Murderers get that privilege. Rapists, hijackers, they all get that privilege. Kidnappers do too. Your Honor, I'd prefer to focus on the rights of the kidnapped victim here, who is still suffering. She's not suffering. All right. Ms. Gamble, from a moral standpoint, I'm with you. Ms. Burns, speaking as a mother, I can certainly feel for you. But as a judge, I have to side with Mr. Berluti. Attorney-client privilege is sacrosanct. It is paramount to our system of justice. The Commonwealth's petition is denied. We're adjourned. Though in the real world, correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, Kittleson okay. would never preside over a case that Jimmy is involved in ever. Ethically. I can't imagine. No. He would recuse. It would always be recused. It just yeah. Every time we see her them in the same courtroom, it makes no sense. Yeah. She called him Mr. Baluti. Like, how can you do I this? I almost made a dirty joke Man. and I didn't. She stole my Somebody daughter. Somebody She has my daughter. How can you do this? Miss Burns. You have no conscience. Okay, Sally. I want my daughter back. Sally. I want my daughter. Haven't you learned anything from the previous episode that had this plot line? Even if they, your daughter wouldn't go back to you. Yeah. So I would have thought they'd be open by nine o'clock. That woman whose daughter is abducted is sitting with Jamie Stringer here outside of the office. Are you a client? No, no I'm going to shoot someone. This has all the oh, trappings no. of a, I've I'm got a, a gun and I'm going to hold up the Actually, office. Actually, hoping to get a job here. <laughs> they keep bringing me in for all these callbacks. I'm about to pull my hair out. Is this considered a good place to work? Oh, excellent. It's one of the top three criminal practices in the state place to come if you're a criminal, huh? Well, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy's walking right into it. <clears throat> I'm a pretty good judge of character, Mr. Preludi. You strike me as a decent man. I can't have this conversation. Do you believe in God, Mr. Berluti? Yes. Ms. Burns, I represent a person with interests contrary to yours. It would be unethical for me to have any dialogue with you. Can you tell me what my daughter looks like? or not she's a good person i don't really know her but she struck me as an excellent person great work from holly folger rebecca eugene and i talked about it we both agree she probably exudes the most moral integrity. I think passion. The former receptionist. It's gonna get me out of prison. Are good. Hell but yeah, we're not she going is. To win unless the justices, for some reason, want us to. So Beck's passion, I think, is our best strength. Okay. Listen, I thought about um, bringing Bobby here to say goodbye because you know. <clears throat> I didn't want him to see you all shackled. Yeah. 
When? Two. After his nap. Okay. I'm never going to get out, am I, Bobby? Oh, you're going to get out because if you don't... Of course you will. Mike is going to burn every episode of the podcast to the <laughs> ground. Delete it from the internet and just absolutely go on a tirade. Mm -hmm. Remember when you weren't a fan of the show and you'd never heard of it? I got the job. Congratulations. Oh, I don't believe it. I was so sure I offended you. Me? Get out of town. Uh, however, there is one contingency. Uh, hopefully you're okay with it. Um, we are going to be re referring to you as, only as slut from, here, from henceforward. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when of your start? blonde hair. When can you start? Hello, how about yesterday? Does yesterday work for you? I think she's excited. Oh, God. I need to call my parents. Oh. What's going on? This way. No, never mind that. What's wrong? What's wrong? First you're calling me saying it's really important that we meet. And then I see you on television concerning a crime that I have been suspected of for 16 years. So I'm asking you again, Mr. Berluti, what the hell is going on? Bernice White, please place your hands behind your back. What? You're under arrest for kidnapping. Oh, hold on oh, a shit. second, Jimmy. I just want to know Ray what's Brutus. going on. We're arresting your client, Jimmy. Arresting No, the, not the his client. Lady. Tell them I'm not your client. She... We neither confirm nor deny that she is our client. What? We neither confirm nor deny she is our client. Take her. No, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. These people called me. Ray Abruzzo, right. get that paycheck. Eugene, we can't. Jimmy, my office. Man, that lady who did all this fucked everybody. By denying she's our client, we betray Melissa Helper. Eugene, they basically just arrested that woman for entering our offices. I was the one who called her down here. That is an unfortunate result, but we can't change it. We continue to honor the privilege. We say nothing. That woman will be on the news tonight, pegged for the crime again. Jimmy, she's not our client. Yo, somebody has got to play straight as an arrow, right? <clears throat> Here's one thing I appreciate about Eugene. So many other people, look, the whole show is about this, this sort of quandary of the defense attorney, right? Like, right, right. what is right? What is wrong? What's ethical? What's not ethical? I get it. I get it. I get it. We've litigated a million times. But the thing is, as human beings, and I understand this, as human beings, many of our cast members flip-flop back and forth. Oh, right. I should do this. I shouldn't do this. This is right. This is wrong. This is right. Uh, like Jimmy in this episode alone has been like, oh, no, I can't I privilege. It's very important. And yet he was just about to blow it all. Right. Because right. this poor lady, like you're either you're either all in or you're not. And what I appreciate about Eugene is that he's generally speaking more than anybody else. All in. Yeah. All in on the this is the way we got to do it. Now, what I also appreciate is that we, we have seen the emotional toll that takes on him. Yeah. Uh, but at least you, you, you come on, Jimmy. You're either in or you're out. Well, I, th I think Eugene is one of the better written characters yeah. because he has an she, he has an integrity, and I don't mean like a moral integrity. There, there is a there's an architecture to his character that holds shape. Mm. 
Okay, what about that? We're meeting. Kind of hard to tell. Bobby, baby. <gasps> Silly. Well, he's very blonde. He's played by Liam Bergen Lagola. This is his only acting credit. And yellow. Together. What does that make? What? Silly. Blue. That's right. You've got it. Looks like he's ready for his nap, not, uh... Can you say federal pound me in the ass prison? Okay. Oof, this is rough. Okay, Mommy's gotta go now. I'm gonna go... live in a different place for a while. Now, for Christmas, I want you to give but me... But you're gonna visit me all the time. Big shiv. Can you get Mommy a shiv? Just like we talked about. Okay? Keep it, Mike. Paint-by-numbers shiv joke. <laughs> I need a hug. Can I have a hug? Just a little itty bitty hug. Okay. Do you know how to make toilet wine? I love you so much. I love it when kids look right at the camera. This kid is not an actor. Get me out. Please. There we go. Get me out. I will. Please, mommy. Please. Please. Uh, uh, Supreme Court appeal is going to take a while, so Lindsay Dole is fucking going to prison. She's already in prison. I mean, but the bad news. Today was the transfer day, right? Yep. You know Kelly Williams is reading the script going, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> well, she's got unbelievable opportunities to act. Yeah. Such as? <laughs> oh, <laughs> little guy walking away. You're in jail. She's gonna make some toilet wine. It's a circumstantial case, no doubt. But we have the eyewitness from 16 years ago whose description matched Bernice White. We know the Jimmy's kidnapper sitting hired in a green Mr. Polo, uh, watching the news. Apparently, he's decorated his apartment with newspapers taped her on angle on the wall. Locating the girl that may prove to be more difficult. A mother has been missing like, what her is child that? for 16 years. If Miss White has any sense of decency or humanity, she'll help us here. If she's got a conscience, we feel we have a real chance. Oh, snap, folks. That is the season premiere of Next, The Practice. A witness saw it wow. is time to uh, hop back to the YouTubes to watch our After Show Show! And we are back, baby! We are indeed. Look out, folks. It is time to, uh, you know, to hand out some awards. But before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we do that, we have some very important recapping to do in uh, multiple ways. So let us begin it with everyone's favorite. Mm, two, three, 
four. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. Segment. Guys, guess what? Lindsay's got a chance. They could always bring it down to manslaughter and she could get out of prison. But of course, we have to cut away from that because Jimmy decide get, Jimmy gets hired to tell some lady that, uh, guess what? Your daughter's fine, even though she's been kidnapped. I know who it is, but I can't tell you. Oh, guess what? Lindsay goes to prison anyway. Uh, but Rebecca's going to fight the good fight, and Jimmy is getting his feet held to the fire. Let's see what happens next week. Okay. Now, could you do that again? Uh, just much faster. In a segment we call... Bye-bye, Lindsay Dole. Should uh, Helen forces Jimmy's hand? It's all up to Beck. Yes. Okay. I think that uh, that was a better recap than the 30-second one. Yeah, we could okay, probably folks. do away with the 30 seconds. Now, I love the bumper, but I think we could probably just go right to High Coopsie, right? Like, let's... Should we streamline? Streamline? When have we ever streamlined <laughs> anything? Uh, then we, we talk about like what we're going to do after this, and I'm like, I want to do it in 20 minutes. I don't want to do any graphics. I want to do nothing. Uh, no. We don't streamline. Okay, well, folks, now it is time for, you know, this. Out of practice podcast. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating You're showing me the preview again. In acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show uh, that always begins with the following category. I mean, that is fucking perfect. Like fine wine. It only gets better <laughs> with age. <laughs> Ooh, this is a... Um, this is a tough one. Um, You know, I actually think... You know, Helen's doing her Helen to get this, like, to get them to get through privilege, but we don't know how it turns out, so I can't give her most valuable lawyer. I think that um, Rebecca is going to become the most valuable lawyer, hopefully, mm -hmm. of the season by for her human's work. But I think it's interesting that I think that it was good for the for the office as a whole to, you know, you know, Keith, when, when things go bad in an election and various things, they do that post-mortem, right? And I think the post-mortem here was done by our new cast member, the new lawyer of the firm, um, as oh. she sort of diagnoses all of the problems of what went wrong, and maybe we'll chart them on a new course, get their heads out of their ass. So I post postulate, posture, posture, I position. Postulate. I yeah. postulate that the most valuable lawyer is the new lawyer. Jamie Stringer, that's a very interesting, uh, interesting hypothesis, postulation. Yeah, because 
Jimmy, it wasn't his fault, but everything Jimmy touched went to shit. Uh, Our heroes lost in Lindsay's case. And Helen, while trying to do the right thing, fucked up everything. So, yeah, I can't believe it. In a job interview and doing no court work whatsoever, uh, congratulations, you get the oopsie in your first episode, Jamie Stringer! Wow. Well, interesting. Congratulations. All right, that was that was quick. All right, it is time to move forward to everybody's uh, favorite dance, the dance craze taking over the nation. Double time. Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb, way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. <laughs> you are the best guest actor on the app. <laughs> <laughs> oh man somebody i wish people watched the show because you can meme the shit out of that <laughs> um another quickie uh for this first season back i think uh for me just an absolute n- no n- no uh kittleson it's not you i think the the mother of our kidnapped victim uh, the real mother, biological mother. Yes, yes. Uh, gave a really great performance this week, and uh, it had to be both. She had to play the the spectrum, as is generally the case, and a lot of times we give it to the parents, and there's just sadness. But here, I also I really enjoyed her scene with Jimmy at the end because I think she she wasn't pleading with him as much as like peering into his soul and and like attempting to coax out. The humanity mm-hmm. in him. She's advocating really well. for herself. Yeah. It was really great. And for her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So a Holly Folger as Sally Burns. Yeah. No, I, I think she she did a tremendous job. And in a uh, in a usually thankless role, because you're just supposed to be, you know, be there, be sad, be traumatized. And, you know, without stunt casting, you know, it's 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 not an actor who's who's like famous at that point, uh, who just came in and did Really rock solid work. So, uh, congratulations, Holly Folger, for your best guest actor. Oopsie, which brings us up to. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on Didn't need that. the show. Yeah, I didn't need that. Uh, Keith, I, I, Kelly Williams was excellent again for all of the reasons she won the oopsie for the season finale. So I could very yep. easily just give it to her again. I thought that really stellar acting from everybody here. I feel a little bad for Cameron because she did great, but it's sullied a little bit by just like the writing was a little poor for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like. Bobby had a a Herculean task, or Dylan had a Herculean task here. In like, they 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 made Bobby really human again this episode, mm-hmm. and changing gears and get and finding that finding that hook, it could could be a challenge. But I thought Dylan really did it really excellently in both his scenes of tenderness with Lindsay and emotional 
uh, weakness with Eleanor and with the entire office. I really, I really loved his work. So I'm torn between Kelly Williams and Dylan McDermott. So I, I'd like to know what you have to say. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with with what you said there. I mean, I think uh, I thought Kelly did tremendous. I mean, we, we've been watching her heartbreak for episodes and episodes. Uh, but yeah, no, I th- I think it's Dylan I, because we saw his uh, walls break down a bit here in a way that we very rarely see. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do. It's 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 hard to do a uh a closed off person breaking down. It's easier to to break down completely than it is to fight it. Fight 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 and uh finally surrender. So, yeah, I I think it's I think it's Dylan here. I mean, yes, okay. obviously. Uh she did an amazing job, but for me it's Dylan. Okay, I'm in. All right. Congratulations, Dylan McDermott. Now, Keith, Mm -hmm. everyone, the millions and millions of downloads a week are Mm -hmm. begging to know, Mm -hmm. are we going to continue the joke into season seven or are we going to finally let it rest? Uh, Here's what you do with uh, a dead horse. Do you let it rest? Do you bury it six feet under? Or do you keep beating the shit out of it? That's what we're gonna do. Woo! It is time for the... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Yeah! Now, maybe last season, I I allowed us to avoid making Tom Brady murder anyone or be murdered, right? We kept the gore out of it. We would like not to be, uh, you know, thrown in prison when Tom Brady has an accident. But since we're, but since we're, since we're going for it, Keith, since we're beating that dead horse, should we make this season? They all have to be graphic. <laughs> uh, I think for the same legal reasons as before, maybe not. But I'll give you one better. Uh, this is the season of jumping the shark. They all must be shark related. Okay. Let's see if I can. Uh, okay, yes. Okay, so this episode is about uh, a kidnapped victim. Mm-hmm. So this week's award, oh, I can't wait to see you Photoshop this, is <laughs> Tom Brady with a room full of kidnapped children being eaten by sharks. <laughs> now, Tom Brady's not being eaten by sharks. The children are being eaten by sharks. Mike refuses. Mike's objective for season seven is to get me arrested. So just to clarify, that's Tom Brady uh, mm-hmm. with a room full of kidnapped children who mm-hmm. are also being eaten by a shark. G- great. Great. That's 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 great. Now we let's we can go full four this year and you can you can save them all for the, the season finale again. That can be your your out. Well, we're gonna <laughs> that's true and never show them anywhere. <laughs> all right. Except for that well, one fateful YouTube episode. Yeah, exactly. Which nobody watches anyway. It's fine. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, congratulations. That <laughs> all right. There's only one more important thing to do. And that is. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this 
this episode gets. Well, you heard me say it before, folks. I uh, I'm impressed with the pacing of this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, deftly done. They gave us a potential out in the beginning, which excited me, but also petrified me because I thought it was going to be a cheap way to exit, to just like, oh, the judge turns it off. Like, we've done that before with, uh, with, with civil cases we've tried. So I'm glad they didn't do that. The fallout of that is that Lindsay goes to prison. So that sucks. But, you know, Keith and I have been asking for seasons now for Rebecca to have a bigger role in the show. Mm-hmm. And what bigger role than the biggest case we've ever had? And I thought the way that, and it wasn't just like Bobby had delegated to Eugene for her first trial. Rebecca lobbied for it and explained why, and it's for all the reasons we love the Rebecca character. So that arc, the potential of that arc, was, I thought, placed perfectly in this episode because uh, it was... We needed it, right? We needed to know that we were in good hands, and it's 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 sets up sets the table so nicely for what could be a, a running arc of this season. We got a new cast member that let us know that things are still going to continue, uh, and Bobby is going to get the support he needs. We we, I think, as best you could do, rather than retcon everything and just make it all okay, which would have sucked. They've they did, I think, pretty much the best they could have done as far as plot-wise, setting the table for where we could go with this story. Look, we're not going to back away from it. We're going to double down. This is what's happening, and now we've got to fight it, right? And they've left enough breadcrumbs of reasons where there's plenty. There's a very plausible case for getting this overturned. I, I like it. I like that. But the episode, as a caps, as a, as in a vacuum ish, uh, had some issues. The B line, which is also ongoing. Well, actually, they do this a lot of times at the start of seasons. They have conti- they have multiple continuing plots. I- I'm not. I I think they expected us to be more interested in what do we do with the pr- the privilege aspect. And they've put they've twisted Jimmy and all these uh, pretzel like uh, scenarios. Now there's a complication on top of a complication. I don't know, maybe you feel differently. I just am not that interested. Like, it not only feels like something we've done before with the kidnapping, but they've given us enough expect. I just, I don't know. I I wish I, I wish I rooted for us a little bit more here. Like, yeah, guess what? I just think it's so absurd that this lady would come forward and expect to have zero repercussions. I I just think that's insane. I, so I'm not rooting for us there. So it, so I'm not that invested. Um, the Eleanor thing, the new cast member, I really like. I, I we haven't really seen too much of her character yet, other than she's whip smart. And you know who she reminds me of, Keith. To be honest with you, is oh, God damn it, I can't remember the character name. The Southern character in in Ainsley Hayes. Ainsley Hayes, exactly. On the that. West Wing. It's almost like the same character so far. Hmm. I'm I'm sure she will be different. Obviously, it's probably just a touch of Jessica Capshaw's Southern lilt, just sneaking yeah. in around her uh, her fake non-Southern accent. So I'm excited to see what what dynamic that brings to it. Uh, it's funny to see Lucy playing as the elder statesman. You know what I mean? Right. 
so I'm interested about that. Although I, you know, as the the Eleanor thing, I think you I think you took exception with it more than I did. But yet it still doesn't ring true. So as a whole, the episode I thought it was shot well, directed well, acted well. Uh, I like David e. Kelly being in charge. It feels like there's somebody has the reins of the horse right now. You know, a lot of my enjoyment of it is all of the buildup I've been feeling and the fact that it kind of, I like where we're headed. Like it could have, like Phoenix said, it could have, it could have put us in a really terrible place, really yeah. dreading where we're going. I don't know that that's the case. There's a chance, there's some great episodes coming, right? So, so I'm feeling optimistic, but that said, it's not the best episode of the practice. It's a table setter. So... You know, there are some nits to pick. I'll let you I'll let you pick them. I think overall I feel I'm feeling high on it. I'm giving it a seven point two five. So we're starting high, but I feel like hopefully we can live up to it. I'm starting there. Seven two five. Yeah. Uh I I agree with all of that. Um I think what we have in this episode is a failure uh, to communicate. I, that too. Uh you have all of the strengths and the weaknesses of a classic David E. Kelly episode. And it's sure-footed, it's well-paced, it's well-written. It has the weaknesses of the way, at least that era, David E. Kelly wrote women. I mean, and you know, and I, I think you pointed out exactly, like, what the hell do I know about women's relationships? Not anything. And but it seems like it seems as if it falls into some of the classic tropes of men writing for women. It's the type of thing that I would avoid. You know, if I'm writing a woman's relationship, you know, I, I can't speak to it, but I can speak to the stereotypes that I would avoid. And that these, that this episode showed a lot of those stereotypes, the type of things that, that David E. Kelly has struggled with in the past in the series reared their heads here and and since we've we've navigated away from it for the last couple of seasons it was pretty jarring to see Eleanor and Rebecca sniping at each other for no reason it was pretty jarring to have Eleanor dislike this woman and call her a slut because she was pretty and enthusiastic that seemed out of character and out of character with with Eleanor but also just i i i, I don't know that woman i know that woman's i know that stereotype of a woman that you see on television, but I don't know that woman. So, so that, you know, that was the weakness of it. As far as the, the B story, yes, it was recycled and, and that was a little jarring. However, for me, you get partial credit for acknowledging that it's recycled and, and at least making there be a reason why this would be happening again. And I think a, a woman who had, uh, noticed that they dealt with a case like this before would have been more likely to go to this firm. So that makes sense. The thing that doesn't make sense is like how many kids are getting kidnapped by women who raise them in healthy ways. Like it's like all of Boston happening. Like that's the part. It, that's the part that strains credulity. Um, that said, I thought they did a more interesting job with this version of that story because like we're, we're getting rewrites of previous stories. <laughs> you know, with this whole Lindsay case and the serial killer, it's a rewrite of Lindsay and a serial killer before. This is a rewrite, a second pass at the woman abducting a kid and raising it. And this one I think was more interesting. I think the, I was actually interested in the, um, the privilege debate 
and where does that come and where does it come out? The If the crime is ongoing, do you break privilege? And I thought Helen made a very good point that the crime is actively ongoing. And so uh, even in privilege, the same with like a therapist. If a client goes to Bobby and says, I'm going to murder somebody tomorrow, let's make a plan that I can get away with it, Bobby has to disclose that. That breaches privilege. And in this case, I feel like it would because as 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 uh, as Helen pointed out, the crime is ongoing. She is still actively being kidnapped, no matter how well she's being treated. So that the fact that it's ongoing, it's the same thing as somebody going to their lawyer and saying, I'm going to commit this crime tomorrow. Help but me get away feel, with it. Sorry, I have to just, I have to kick back a little bit. What you're, that's, yes, those, that question is the interesting parcel of this, but they only deal with it in that one exchange in the courtroom between Helen and Jimmy, the majority of the storyline in this episode, if we're taking it as just this episode, is about the emotional feelings of the mother pleading with Jimmy to feel bad about it, which is the exact same beat we played in the other episode. Yes, they well, acknowledged it, but we didn't really deal with the privilege aspect as much. Eugene well, did. I, I, I think we, well, I think it was about, the episode was about the tough position that Jimmy was in and Jimmy having to, you know, make these practical and moral decisions. It was a debate whether like the practical decision versus the moral decision. And, you know, and so you have sort of an angel and a devil on, on Jimmy's shoulders. But, uh, you know, I found that compelling. I found that interesting. Um, I would like to know from a legal perspective at what point does the lawyer have to break privilege? Because I because I know, like, I'm going to murder that somebody, you have to break it. Do you have to break it if I'm going to go and, like, shoplift a candy bar? I doubt it. So where along the line do you have to break that privilege? I don't know. Uh, because the risk-reward of it still baffles me. Because, yeah, you were on drugs, all that stuff. But still, you're going to ruin your daughter's life. You're going to ruin your life. Why would you? Why would you come clean? It doesn't make any sense unless you're willing to face the repercussions. Right. Well, and and this woman who came in was wildly reckless in everything that she did. Everything that happened was entirely foreseeable, and uh, and the fact that she brought her daughter in to to meet Jimmy under a false pretense. The risk that she took just of her daughter discovering what was happening was incredibly reckless. You could point out that abducting a baby is pretty reckless, too. So maybe that is part of the character. Well, I mean, her point, I think, at that moment was like, I'm going to tell you to tell these people that the daughter's okay. So I want you to see, Jimmy, that she is actually okay. No, I, and, and that was the justification that she had. But... The whole thing was but wildly is she reckless. Okay? She doesn't know she's kidnapped. Right. Were she we don't know that she's that, okay. She might not and, be okay. And even like, is it okay? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, this isn't this isn't an adopted baby finding right. out that knowing that it's she ab- wants a relationship with her. It's not that right. at all. It's an abducted baby. That's yeah. a very different thing. So uh, it's it's I don't know. It's complex, but I did find it compelling. Um, and the, you know, the other thing that I found compelling, I, I liked the way they handled the Lindsay case through this. I I actually really liked how we did it because a, I thought the, the sentencing argument was, was well articulated on both sides and that the, 
the judge being in the position that he was, it made sense that he upheld it. Uh, I'm surprised that the sentencing guidelines for a first offense, even murder in the first, would be life without parole. But uh, I don't know. I would have liked a little bit more clarification on that, but it was simple for our storytelling purposes. I liked the emotional repercussions. I liked showing Bobby Jr., Uh, I thought that was a great scene. And the thing that I liked, as you said, the thing I liked most about this entire episode was not just handing the ball to Rebecca, Rebecca taking the ball, Mm -hmm. Rebecca asking for the ball. Um, And I, I, I like, A, I really like her being the one who takes this over. The logic of why it would be her and not somebody else makes so much sense and i and i like her character's um sense of 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 power to do so taking stage and taking what she is right for i really really liked that um and so i'm that was the the moment in the episode your reaction live to rebecca saying that was my reaction prepping it. I was like, hell yes. Now I'm excited for the rest of this storyline. That gets me jazzed. So, uh, I, it's funny. I was going to knock the episode more for the sort of gender politics. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And, and I'll say the, the last thing, uh, I really like Jessica Capshaw and, yeah. and Jamie Stringer coming in and I'll tell you why. And, uh, I, I like I like the actress very much. Uh, anyway, but I like adding to our stable here a dose of enthusiasm, yeah. a dose of joy in the office, a, a dose of like, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing because, you know, it's gotten a little dour. It's gotten a little grim around the office. And to have somebody there who is like, I'm I'm pumped, I'm psyched, I'm cheesed to be here. And I think that that, that adds a color that the show has been missing. So it's not just adding another cast member for the sake of adding a cast member. It's adding a note in the symphony that I think will be really palate cleansing. I'll add to that, and I mentioned it in my, my, and I'll let you get to your numbers in a second, but I think what I also got from this episode that I like, and it's I think I said it when I said that they doubled down, right? Like, like Phoenix said, they could have gone to some huge shark jumping thing to get us out of this mess, but no, they've doubled down. And they've showed what I think we've been saying has been lacking in the the writing towards the end of last season. They've showed a confidence, a confidence of we know how we want to proceed and we're going to do it. I hope yeah. that they stick to it, but that confidence is reassuring, especially on the first episode of the season. Yeah, yep, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I think I would give it probably like an eight and a half, okay. uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it a half a point for the for the the gender politics of it. Uh, so I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. So I'm, gi- I'm going to give it a solid high eight. seven. High, uh, I said seven, two, five. You give it an eight. So we're like at a seven, yeah. seven, five ish. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, and I think it deserves it. And I'm excited for next week. And yeah. it, it feels this, this felt for better and worse, like the classic practice that we have been missing. Yeah. So, uh, all right, folks, guess what? We did it. We only have one more thing. Uh, we gotta we gotta do the Easter oh. egg reveal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Hold on. Here we come. I mean, come on. Let's not forget the Easter egg reveal. You know what? Let's hear it again. Reduce, reuse, recycle. 
Reduce, reuse, recycle. Recycle. Reduce, reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta save your stuff. You gotta put it in the bin. They just throw it in the ocean. <laughs> All right, folks. You have gotten through that nonsense. And if you would like to contact us and tell us, guys, what are you doing? You still doing this after seven seasons? You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and the Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. Or, you know what? You're just here on YouTube. You're like, what's going on? Leave us a note right below and do us a favor to give us a like and subscribe for uh, KME Entertainment because we got the Star Trek show. It's, you know, much more popular than this show, but we still do it. And uh, while you're there, you're on the internet, you're typing stuff, join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. We will happily, gratefully read it. It helps people find us. We will welcome you to the jury like these fine people. Speaking of fine people... We'd like to thank our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, Love Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Ari Kuhn. You could be one of them, folks. These graphics don't do themselves. You can help us out with a one-time contribution or a monthly sustaining membership. You can do so by clicking one of the two links in our show notes. Then do us a favor, steal some laser sounds, wait 17 years, go to a lawyer, and ask them to go to us and... Oh, I had something, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> laser sounds. It jumped the shark. Laser sounds. <laughs>